This message is brought to you by Cedar Springs Church. For more information, please visit cedarspringschurchnm.org. Unless you're a kid, you want to go to class? Follow Bruce. Unless Bruce is just going to the bathroom, don't follow Bruce. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, once again we come before your word and we look to your instruction and your promise that your word is faithful and true, that it is alive and active and sharp that you have breathed and inspired every bit of it. And for those reasons, Lord, we, we, we seek to hear from you again. We pray, Lord, that you would show us our Savior. We pray, Lord, that you would convict our hearts, that you would encourage and strengthen our souls, that you'd grow our, our, our minds. Father, it is such a gift that you have given us yourself through your word, and, and that only by the blood of Jesus Christ. So it is in his name that we pray. Amen. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. If you want to start heading there in your Bibles, while you're turning there, I want to take you all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. Eve had deceived and eaten the fruit of the tree of good and evil, and she had given some to Adam who was there. And then Genesis tells us that Adam and Eve hid themselves because they heard the sound of God walking through the garden, so God called out, Where are you? And Adam said, I hid myself because I heard you walking through the garden, and I was naked. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree that I told you not to eat of? And Adam said, that woman you gave me, Lord, she gave me the fruit. Now, what I want you to picture is a bit later. God had cursed Adam and Eve and told them they were no longer allowed to live in the garden. Can you imagine what that walk out of the garden must have been like? Everything's new to them. Adam's best friend, Lion, is now trying to eat him. There's cactus. And for the first time ever, we hear a woman say, What do you mean, that woman? I have to wonder if God told Adam, I, I shall show us to thee how to constructeth a doghouse. <laughs> that was the old King James Version, but you know what I mean. Another thing came out of this whole situation that was, was a first. It was the very first cuss word. Submit. 
Hey, Eve, remember that guy who threw you under the bus and then backed up? You have to submit to him. Wives, how do you feel about submission? Does your submission matter? And I know you're in church and you know what the answer to that is supposed to be. But why? Why, why does your submission matter? Just because God said to? Just because you have to? Or is there maybe a different reason? A better reason, perhaps? And I want to answer that question this morning. I want to answer why your submission matters. Why your submission matters. And gentlemen, before you check out, just drop down to verse 7 real quick. Because there's something coming up for you in this passage, so you do need to pay attention. So here we go. This is going to be fun. Why does your submission matter? Look first at, at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, where Peter says your submission matters because your husband might see Christ in you. Your submission matters because your husband might see Christ in you. He says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they, be, they, may, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Now, ladies, I don't want you to miss the magnitude of what Peter is saying here. There are many men in this room, and in the world who will enter, enter the, the eternal glory of their Father, owing their salvation to the costly, determined, self-sacrificing, Jesus-exhibiting submission of their wives. I can't think of a more encouraging thing to say to women in any marriage, much less a difficult one. That you have an opportunity to show your husband the door to heaven. Once when Jesus was addressing the law in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 38, he said, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, if someone slaps you in the cheek, you turn the other cheek. If they want your cloak, you give them your tunic too. If they want you to go a mile, you go two miles. But what if they're mean? What if they can't be trusted? You don't know what they've done in the past. Maybe I don't. Maybe they are. Maybe, maybe I don't know what it's like to live with somebody like that, but Jesus does. You see, to Jesus, when he said those things, they weren't just words to him. Look back up just a few verses at what he said in chapter 2, verse 22, or what Peter said. He said in verse 22, he said, committed, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. A man who had done nothing wrong suffered 
horrible, gruesome punishment, but he did not demand his way. Instead, he continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. And then Peter says in chapter 3, verse 1, Likewise, wives. Wives, Peter is saying that you have an opportunity to point your husband to the one who said, Not my will, but yours be done. And, and Peter isn't just writing to wives who live in, in difficult marriages or marriages to unbelievers. He says in verse 1, if some don't obey the word, they might be one. In other words, your submission matters not only because it may win your unbelieving husband to Christ, but any wife can point their husband toward Christ through their submission. And I unashamedly proclaim uh, that I belong to that group. For years, I was lukewarm about Christ at best, and Shannon has always had this fire for God that has always intrigued me, still does. And I know she and many of you will, will be honored in heaven for that. Wives, your submission matters because God has given you the very special privilege of displaying Christ to your husband. Now, I want to take a brief moment and acknowledge because it's important that passages like this have been used by men in the past as an excuse to abuse and exploit and take advantage of women. So, wives, I want to give you a very short list of what Peter is not saying. First, Peter is not saying you have to agree with everything your husband says or thinks. He is not saying that. He's not saying that you can't think for yourself. For example, let's say your husband says he thinks you should move and you have several legitimate reasons why that might not be a good idea. The Bible does not say that your response has to be, yes, dear, whatever you think is best, dear. That's not submission. You respectfully, if not loudly, voice your objections to your husband. And then if he still says, no, I think we should move, well, then, yes, you would submit. Second, Peter is not saying that you should put your husband's will before Christ's. He's not saying you should submit to your husband if he tells you not to go to church or to do something immoral. He's not saying that. You're still respectful, but you wouldn't submit to those requests. He's not saying you shouldn't think for yourself, and he's not saying you should put Christ's will or his will before Christ's. And lastly, Peter is not saying that you should, you should submit to an abusive marriage. Scripture is very clear on this topic. Abuse is marital abandonment, and Scripture plainly says that wives do not have to submit to those kinds of behavior. What Peter is saying is that you have an opportunity to display the one who entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. Your submission matters, wives, because your husband might see Christ in you. Let's look at Peter's second answer to our question in verses 3 and 4, where he says your submission, your submission matters because it is precious in God's sight. Your submission matters because it is precious in God's sight. He says in verse 3, 
Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Ladies, where do you look for your worth? To ask you a tough question, do you spend more time in front of the mirror or in front of God's word? Years ago, there was a family that lived deep in the Appalachian Mountains, and one day they decided to go to the big city for the first time. And as they're walking around just fascinated by these huge skyscrapers, they get caught up in this crowd and wander through this weird revolving glass door. Once they get through this door, the wife and the daughter get caught up staring at this really cool automatic silver staircase. The husband and the father keep going and find themselves standing in front of this big wall with all of these shiny doors with these lit buttons up above them. And as they stood there staring at these blinking numbers, this wrinkly old woman with a red bag came and the doors magically opened up in front of her. She got in. And they magically closed, and the husband was just, where is she going? What's happening? And a few seconds later, the door right next to him opened up, and out came this beautiful young woman with a red bag. <laughs> Without taking his eyes off of the elevators, he, he nudged his son. He said, son, go get your mother. Now, that, that may be the, the, the desire of some men. But ladies, what Peter is describing in verse 3 and 4 is worth. He's describing worth. He's asking where you're looking for worth. Gold and clothing is easy for us to understand because we still display, display our wealth today that way. But there's not a whole lot of women walking around like some kind of a weird, you know, Mr. T kind of a, of a picture, but... The ancient pictures of wealthy women showed where their hair was first braided and then kind of pinned up on their head in all kinds of different designs. And the point is, is that kind of, of style took hours to accomplish. And, and then you couldn't really do anything because it would fall apart. And so, in other words, it was a hairstyle reserved for the wealthy, is, is what Peter is saying. But... You don't need to start unbraiding your hair, if that's you today. But we still need to hear the principle. Peter is confronting that age-old temptation for women to look for worth in their looks, in their bodies. Maybe if I stay thin enough. Maybe if I stay young enough. Maybe if I eat enough kale or don't eat anything at all. I'll be valuable. But ladies, Peter says that's not where your value comes from. This principle translates to every woman in here, young and old, wife or not. Young ladies, I know it makes you feel so valuable to exhibit your body and guys respond. 
But the Bible says that the hidden person of your heart is where your value lies. It's where your worth lies. I want to make sure you heard what I just said. You are a person, not a body. If Peter was writing to 21st century women, he might say something like, Don't let your adorning be your fancy cars or houses or vacations or the display of your bodies. But let your adorning be the gentle and quiet spirit of your heart. Because look what he says next. He says that beauty is imperishable. And more importantly, that beauty is precious in God's sight. Now, it's not wrong to make yourself presentable. I know. You've got to put your face on in the morning. I get it. As always, this is a matter of the heart. The question isn't how much makeup you put on, but where you are looking for your worth. Ladies, your submission matters because your husband might see Christ in you, and your submission matters because it displays the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet heart that is precious in God's sight. Submission displays the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet heart, and that is precious in God's sight. Which leads us to Peter's last answer to our question of why submission matters. Notice in verse 5 and 6 that Peter says, Your submission matters because it shows that your hope is in God. Your submission matters because it shows that your hope is in God. He says, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. How? By submitting to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, wives, when was the last time you called your husband Lord? I'm just saying. It's in the Bible. Right? <laughs> there are looks abounding. Here's what I think is interesting. I think it's interesting that Peter chose Sarah as an example. Isn't it? Sarah wasn't afraid to get in Abraham's face. She did it more than once. But what's more interesting to me is that the only time that Scripture records Sarah calling Abraham Lord is on the day that she laughed at God. In Genesis chapter 18, God came to Abraham to tell him and Sarah that they were going to have a baby in a year. The problem was, was that Abraham was 90 and, and Sarah was, I think, pushing 80 when God told him this. So overhearing the conversation that God was having with Abraham, Genesis chapter 18, verse 12 says, So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have a child? So why does Peter choose a passage where Sarah laughs at God's promise as an example of submission? And the answer is, is because it's that situation when Sarah learned how much she could trust God. 
after, after Sarah laughed at God in, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, the very next verse, God says, why are you laughing, Sarah? Is anything impossible for God? Listen, what Peter is saying is that Sarah submitted to her husband because in doing so, she adorned herself with hope in God. So when Abraham said, Sarah, let's have a baby. And they belong to AARP. She goes, you know, she's got dentures. Everything's falling apart. She says, yes, Lord. Little, lo, little L, Abraham. Yes, husband, because I hope in God. Wives, your submission matters because it displays your hope in God, not in your husband. Our world has corrupted this idea of submission. Like, why should I submit to that guy? The Bible's very clear. Your submission actually displays that you hope in God, not your husband. Peter's saying that women who give themselves to this pattern of living, even though it might be frightening, they'll be the ones who will find God when they need Him. Those women who entrust themselves to God, Peter is saying, that when they trust themselves to God through submission, they will find God keeping His promises to them. As, as, as Kim brought up earlier, it made me think there's another woman in Scripture who's recorded as laughing. It's the Proverbs 31 woman. Proverbs 31 says, says of this woman, says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Why? It says, because she who fears the Lord has nothing else to fear. She laughs at the future's threats because she puts her hope in the Lord. Your submission matters because it shows your hope in God. And, and women, look at what Peter says this means for your life tomorrow morning. He says that when you put your hope in God, you don't need to fear anything. Your husband's crazy ideas included. Listen, submission does not display inferiority. Far from it. Submission is a display of your fearless hope in your Lord. This is what Peter has been saying to all of us throughout this whole section. Entrust yourself to God and He will be there for you whether it's submission to evil governors or unjust employers or even difficult husbands, God will deliver on His promises. And what is that promise? That you have been born to a living hope and an inheritance that is undefiled, imperishable, and kept in heaven for you. He will deliver on that promise. In fact, we're quickly approaching the heart, the core, the, the, the guts of Peter's letter, where in chapter 4, verse 19, he will say, let those who suffer according to the will of God entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. So wives, listen, Peter couldn't be any clearer. Your submission matters because the woman who lives like that will herself be like Jesus who submitted and righteous women like Sarah, who are called out for their faith, 
Your submission matters because your husband might see Christ in you. Because it's precious in God's sight and your submission matters because it displays that your hope is in your God. Now, ladies, elbow your husbands. Get them to pay attention. I hope you were listening, men, because now it's your turn in verse 7. Peter says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. When Shannon and I were very first married, and I mean on our honeymoon, if you haven't heard this story yet, she was five months pregnant. That's not the story. The story is, is that we were in Taos, and I thought, hey, let's take a hike to the, to the bottom of the, the gorge there in Taos. Come on, woman. And so I charge off, spry, young, 18-year-old without one of these things on. And I start to hike. She's dragging. She's just dogging. And I'm getting more impatient and more impatient. And it's like, come on, let's hike. She's five months pregnant. And it's very sick. Yes, I forgot that part. Very sick. Husbands, here's the plain question that Peter is asking you in verse 7. He has just explained what a beautiful wife looks like in God's eyes. And the reason he throws this little snippet in here for husbands is to ask you this. How easy do you make it for your wife to submit to you? Do you make submission attractive or difficult? Are you someone that she wants to submit to or has to submit to? Because you see, God's perfect plan is that a wife would submit to someone who wants nothing but the best for them. Not someone who is abrasive, and demanding and aloof and selfish. He says to live with your wife in an understanding way, literally to, to live with her according to knowledge. In other words, he's saying, you need to know how your wife ticks. You study her, you gain knowledge of who she is and how she works. How does your wife think? What does she want? What does she need? What are her strengths and weaknesses? Where is she confident? Where is she afraid? What are her sources of courage? And what are her, what are her sources of shame? Husbands, Peter is telling us that our calling is to know this stuff and then to live with our wives accordingly. Because look, he says, this is a way of showing honor to the weaker vessel. Since they are heirs with you, of the grace of life. That does not mean that women are inferior any more than crystal is inferior to fiberglass. It just means that they are weaker physically. They can't take hikes down to the bottom of a gorge when they're five months pregnant, at least as fast as a not pregnant 18-year-old guy can. Peter is saying women are to be cherished sought after, adored, 
Physically, women are weaker, but in terms of worth, they're co-heirs of grace. Here's my challenge to you husbands. It starts with you and then wives. It goes to you. Husbands, you're first. My challenge to you is to ask your wives how you think you're doing in this area. To ask your wives, as a husband, how am I doing in that area of you submitting to me? Do you want to? Do you have to? Where could I work on it? Something like that. Let me be blunt. Don't be cowards. It's exactly what this passage is about. Ask your wife this question. And then wives, you ask your husbands the same thing. How am I doing in submission? Is there somewhere that you think I should, I should work on? Am I doing good? Something like that. Let's go back to the garden for a moment. Adam and Eve walking out of the, the garden of paradise. The first ever marital spat began with Eve saying, what do you mean by that woman you gave me, Lord? I have to think Adam said, submit, woman. He probably didn't say it out loud, but that's what he was thinking, we know. But what happened that day for sure was that Adam and Eve, just like everyone else, in the midst of horrific marital discord, began their journey back into the arms of their faithful God. And what a faithful God He is. Not only did He provide a way for us to return back into His presence through our Savior, but He blesses us, especially you ladies, with a unique opportunity to display our Savior to the world. Ladies, your submission matters because you matter. God has given you the very real ability to bring a smile to His face and to have an eternal impact on those around you. Your submission matters because your husband might see Christ in you. Your submission matters because it is precious in God's sight. And your submission matters because it displays the fearless hope you have in a faithful God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement that you give us through your word. I pray, Lord, that, that with, with difficult, sin-laden issues like this, that you would give us the desire to to want to grow. That you would give us the desire to want to live according to your plan. That you would remind us of your promises and the blessings that come along in a company living according to your plan. I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that you never call us to do anything just because you said so, but you call us to do these things because you are at the end of them. 
that as we pursue a life that is, is more like our Savior, we find ourselves closer to you. Father, these things are difficult. And they are full of blessing. And for that, we ask for your help. We thank you, Lord, especially for the, the gift that you have given us, the example you have, have shown us in Christ, who submitted beyond anything that we can imagine. And ultimately, Father, it is him that we pray you would make us more like, and it is in his name that I pray. Amen.